The Trailblazers are reeling. Once again, Marcus Mariota gets cut. The NFL Combine is upon us. And Oregon has some wide receiver drama. All that and a little bit more coming up on the Sports by Northwest podcast. I am Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian. I'm joined by Brenna Green, coin anchor and reporter. Brenna, you were there with me last night. The Blazers lost to the Pelicans. First, how are you? And secondly, are we giving up on this team yet? <laughs> well, what what a what a pairing of questions. Thank you for that, Aaron. Um, I'm I'm good. I'm yeah, going to Vegas to for the WCC tournament on Sunday, Ooh, so we're so you're really good. We're on a countdown there. You know, can I come? Are, I can hold your camera or get carry your wardrobe or something. Vegas, can I? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll be back for this podcast the next time. Hopefully I, I survive to the next podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, oh man, this team, you know, I feel like I've been teetering on being out with this team for, I mean, it's been at least two months <laughs> it's now. It's been a roller coaster, right? It has been. <laughs> I don't know if it's been, has it really been a roller coaster? Because I feel like ever since December, we have our like little moments of up. We have like our little moments of up, like Dame having 71. That's cool. Right. Now, you know, obviously having 71 is 71. I'm not saying, I'm not dissing any of that. I mean, they should beat Houston regardless. Okay. Like that's not, that's not a team that they should be losing to. Um, but generally, man, this this team has had its moments of, of you know, it has, it has it gets, gets over the hill every once in a while. It has its moments of up. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that slope on the way down, that one's going to be lo- a lot longer than the one to get back up. I know, um, I know. Well. And this team just has, they have issues closing out games. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's a real, real problem. And it's it's not going away. It just keeps happening over and over again. It is crazy. And that leads us to our Your first thoughts. topic. That leads us to our first topic. They are one and three out of, yeah. the, out of the break. Obviously, they had the snow situation led to Dame and Jer- uh, Jeremy not playing at Sacramento, which you knew was going to be a big old mm-hmm. fat L. Then Dame goes off for the 71. Now, I missed that game because I was sick. I've been sick for like a week or so. I'm just now getting over it. Uh, and I remember thinking, ah, it's just mm-hmm. a Houston game. No big deal. <laughs> and Dame gets 41 in the first half. I'm yeah. thinking, ah, you know, they're going to take him out by fourth quarter. You know, he's not going to even get 60. The next thing you know, he's got his own record and he gets to 70. I'm thinking, okay, I guess in about a year or two, I'll start lying and saying I was there. Hey, look, I wrote an article. I was there. You know, I'll tell that lie. But the thing that struck me, you know, that night even was, okay, it's night. This is a great moment. But what are you going to do in Golden State? Not Dane personally, but the team. And what are you going to do against the Pelicans? Because if you lose those two games, this 71 point performance becomes a distant memory. And so they go right out, and of course, they lose those two games. And like you said, they had leads. They had a big 17-point lead at halftime against the Warriors, fell apart. They led most of the game against the Pelicans, started to pull away a little bit in third, never really built a huge lead necessarily, but they fell apart. It was like a 15-4 run early in the third. That kind of tilted the game in the, in the Pelicans' way. But now after losing those games, you're four games under. Had you won those, you'd be 500. You're four games under going on a six-game road trip. So for me, I said this on the Blazer podcast last week, that if they fell the four games under, I was done. That I was done until further notice. Like I, They might get the play in, but it doesn't matter. They're going to lose the first play-in game. 
uh, that I don't even know if they're going to get the plan because they can't string together wins. They can't play well without Nurkic and Winslow. Who knows when they're coming back? So for me personally, I'm officially sort of writing them off. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to write the shit, and we'll talk about that more, but I, I just they're four games under, and, and they can't beat mediocre teams. I mean, the, the uh, Pelicans were without Zion. They've been struggling without Zion. Yes, you're missing guys, but you, you can't beat them. The Warriors are without Wiggins and Steph Curry. You can't hold the lead against mm-hmm. them. So I don't know what to say about this team other than that they're simply mediocre, especially without Nurkic and Winslow. And now Ant's hurt again, too. So when's he coming back? Who knows? The, the Nurkic injury is really puzzling to me because I never got the sense when it happened that it was super serious. And yet there's still no timetable of him coming back even. Nope. And yesterday, it, Chauncey Billups was asked, when do you think Nurk is coming back? And he said, I, I don't know. He seems closer. Uh, you know, I know. Th- <laughs> he said, yeah. And and then, you know, we go, you know, post game. Hey, are you guys, are you going to have the injured guys travel with you? Yeah. Do you expect them to play? Hopefully. Yeah. So just uh, nobody really, there's not a lot of definitive answers right now. And when you don't have a lot of definitive answers about one of the main reasons why you're in the hole that you're in, that's uh, that's concerning. When when you can't give a timetable, when there's there's not a lot of details, it's like okay, like, well, you know, you're saying that this is a problem, and understandably so. I mean, yeah, not having Nurkic play right now, not having Winslow play right now, is obviously having a huge impact on your team. But there's no sort of like, there's no sort of like ray of sunshine on the horizon. Right. We're like, okay, but they're going to be back soon or whatever. We just we just don't know. Yeah. And that you can't have that with 20 games left. It's just it just doesn't work. You know what also doesn't work? Scoring, you know, 14 points in the fourth quarter. Now they scored 19 overall, but five of those points came in the last minute. So right. really, when the game was like well out of hand. Right. So. Basically, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter last night. Bad. You aren't going to win in an NBA game by scoring 14 (laughs) points in the fourth. It's just not going to happen. Just to reference the Gary Payton thing real quick, if there was ever a time you were going to shoot someone up with drugs and make them get out there, it would be Nurkic (laughs) a long time ago. So just want to throw that out there real quick. Fair. That's Uh, a very fair point. Yeah. I mean, the situation with Nurkic is, is dire at this point. And... You know, I just actually just wrote an article that's going to be on Oregon Live where I kind of reiterated a point I made before the All-Star break that since Nurkic went down in that Memphis game, and I'm going to count the Memphis game because he only played three minutes in that game, their defensive rating mm-hmm. since then is 124. And that's just not Nurkic. That's not having Winslow as well. When they had Nurkic and no Winslow, the defensive rating still wasn't great, but obviously it wasn't in the 120s or what have you. So that's yeah. how much they miss him because Eubanks, as serviceable as he can be as a backup, he's out there 30-plus minutes, and then you got Watford playing the other 18 you're going to get exposed, especially in the second half. You saw how the Pelicans were just moving the ball around and waiting until someone was able to get loose underneath for a dunk or a layup, and there was no one there to protect the rim. There was nothing anyone could do about it. Uh, God bless Eubanks and Watford and, and Grant, but they are who they are, and they, they play better alongside someone like Nurkic, who for all of his flaws, he gives you a body as someone who can rim protect at least to the level where your defensive rating is not going to be in the 120s. So 
you know, I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They would maybe be able to pull out certain games without him. But teams are just smart enough to, to say, well, we're just going to attack you inside. We're going to get 70 points in the paint, and there's nothing you can do about it. The only way to combat that for the Blazers is to be red hot from three. Now, when they are, yeah, they can win. But when Simons goes out on top of it, now you lose your other, your other big three-point gun other than maybe Grant. Yes, Thibault can knock down the wide-open corner three, but if anyone comes at him and makes him shift his feet at all, then the shooting percentage goes way down. And Nasir Little, you know, he's improved as a shooter, but you don't want him. You know, If I'm the opposing team, I'll, Nasir, take 10 threes, please. You, know, you can have him yeah. all day long. So it's just, a, it's just a recipe for disaster, and we're watching it unfold right before our eyes. And, and I believe that on this trip, they're going to go at best two and four, and they're going to come back six games under. And if you're not a 500 team, I can't even take you seriously. Yes, a, a sub-500 team could get into the play-in, but again, I'm not going to take you seriously because you're under 500. So things are not looking very good. Yeah. Uh, understand. I mean, you know, this this is what's going to happen when this sort of stuff is going on. Fans are not necessarily thrilled with Chauncey Billups. Right. Do you think that this situation with him is is his fault? I get so tired of the coach thing, especially in the NBA. People wanted to run Terry Stotts out of, out of town. They ran him out of town. Same problem still exists. It, it's personnel more than anything for me. Then it's going to be coaching. Mm-hmm. Is Chauncey Phillips the perfect head coach? Probably not. Uh, does he have room to grow? Probably does. Is there some magic coach out there that they could hire who would fix everything and they'd be 10 games over 500 right now? I don't believe that exists. Now, someone the other day mentioned, you know, they actually not for the Portland Trailblazers. Continue. Someone mentioned the other day, you know, oh, well, you know, maybe they could get Ime Udoka. Okay. He's a proven winner. Look what he did in Boston. Okay. Yeah. Look what he did in Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two elite players who are 6'6 and 6'8 and a pretty good, well built defensive roster. Now, Udoka's gone. Right after going to the finals, and what's their record? Oh, they're forty-five and eighteen without him. And and who's their coach? I don't even remember the kid's name. Who's their coach right now? Joe Mazzula. Oh, never heard yeah, of the guy. Say. Never yeah. heard of the guy. You know why? Because he's never been a head coach before. So back-to-back rookie head coaches have Boston in contention. Is it the coaching, or is it the roster? If Chauncey Bills were coaching the Celtics right now, they wouldn't be sub five hundred. I guarantee you that. They'd probably have 40-plus wins just like they do now. So if you bring in Udoka, is he going to magically throw together a defense that would be better than it is right now without your only rim protector and without Winslow, one of your other better defenders, and someone who Lillard pulled out, pointed out last night can facilitate as a point forward, allowing Ant and Lillard to roam more often without the ball, which definitely helps their offense. And he, he can defend three positions, uh, well, maybe, maybe even four. So, no, I don't believe that's a thing. So blaming the coaching, yeah, I mean, okay, if you had a more experienced coach in there, maybe they'd have two more wins. I don't know. Uh, he's growing as a coach, so I just don't see the point of blaming him. Some, of course, are blaming Cronin. Why don't we have a backup center? Well, all I'll say to that is this. they Cronin said last year at this time that his plan ran through the summer of 2023. That was the plan. If they were able to pull off a major deal last summer, great. Or by the trade deadline, great. But that the hope was to have the pieces in place to be able to go all in on something in the summer of 2023. So I'm going to give them at least to the summer of 2023 which I, before I start throwing everyone under the bus. The bottom line is that basically Cronin and Billups have been in charge of this thing for just a year. Like their, their char in charge really began with the trade deadline 
a year ago. So it's been one yeah. year. So I'm not throwing people under the bus. And yeah, could they have signed another center or done something? They probably could have. But maybe the person they could have gotten in the contract they would have taken or maybe someone else they would have had to give up didn't fit into the big picture plan. So, again, I'm going to let the big picture plan play out. So I'm not going to play the blame game. The bottom line is for me is that this roster whole pretty good team. I think that had, had they had zero injuries, which is you know pie in the sky, they'd be in the top six right now. But losing key pieces for a significant amount of times, this team becomes average to below average. And that's exactly where they are right now. So I just don't feel the need to blame. I think it just is what it is. Chauncey did make the point that really this feels like his first year because last year was just so yeah. weird. He coached 20 real games last year. Yeah. And then it all fell uh, apart. Yeah. And and I can I can understand that. I can understand that. I, I, I you know, that's not to say that he hasn't had some mistakes coaching. And by the way, he'll be the first one to admit yeah. that. Um but yeah, you're right. There's just not there's not enough firepower around Dame right now. And that's what it boils down to. Or defense. That's what it is. That's a bad combination. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Those two things. You don't have a second you you cannot win in the NBA with with without at least two stars on a team. And when the defense is the way it is, at some point you're just gonna get outshot. Especially when when it's nights like last night or, you know, whatever, it kind of feels like it's one against five sometimes. <laughs> so and it's, and have they it's began, really, have they began, it's a difficult. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just Sorry. was going to say it's a difficult situation yeah. right now. Well, have they, be, have they started the season with where they are right now? Even with, if Ant's healthy, I would say, oh, this is a lottery team. Like, there, there's no way I believe this would be a playoff team. So that's why the losing isn't necessarily surprising to me. Um, I get where fans are frustrated because you want to see more, but you also you're adding two new players to the mix. You know, you're trying to integrate them offensively and defensively. That's going to lead to some miscues here and there as well. And I'm talking about Thibault and Cam Reddish. Plus, you got a 19 year old running around in the rotation. Everyone wants him to play more, but he makes 19 year old mistakes that cost you possessions for every spectacular play mm-hmm. he makes. He screws up a few things here and there. So there's just so many things that are not going in this team's favor right now. Um, so until they get Nurkic and Winslow back, I just can't take the defense seriously. If I can't take the defense seriously, losses are just inevitable. And, you know, this trip, well, this trip, the only team on this trip that I would say is a guaranteed win would be Detroit. I think Orlando has too much size for this team. They don't have Nurkic and Winslow back. They're going to lose that game. Just too much size. They have, they got the two Wagner kids. They got uh, Wendell Carter, Bonchero, and Jonathan Isaacson. All 6'7", 6'8", to 6'10", 6'11". Like they're going to destroy, just like they did here back when they came a couple months ago. Well, and then the next question becomes: If does this trip go so awful that they just decide it's not worth rushing those guys back? Exactly. And then does the tank begin? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, we're. <laughs> I I feel like we've said this multiple times, but uh, pivotal stretch coming up. <laughs> this is the season. See what happens. So, yeah, it, so pivotal okay. stretch, but I don't know if they've. Go ahead. No, you finish. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that I feel like we keep saying, you know, okay, this is a pivotal set of games. I know we said that numerous times. <laughs> I don't know if they they really have not since mid December had a pivotal set of games where it ended up falling their way. Yeah, hundred percent right. So 
<coughs> Excuse me, real quick. All right. So after this six games, if they come back six under, they have 14 games remaining. So quick math on that, you have to go 10 and four to get back to 500. You're going to face the Knicks, Boston, Clippers, at Utah, Bulls, OK City, which owns them, Pelicans again, two against Sacramento, at Minnesota, at Memphis, at Clippers, Golden State at home. You got San Antonio mixed in there. The only game where you say, oh, this is what that one is San Antonio. Every other game is an L waiting to happen. So there's no way they're going to win 10 and go 10 and four in that stretch to get back to 500. There's no way. So if they come back from this trip, six under, it's time to pull the plug. It's time to just go all in on lottery. See how far you can fall. Dame's going to, Dame need to have a shoulder. I, I'd buy a shoulder with many shots he's been taking. Dame's got a shoulder. <laughs> Ant's ankle still raw. Even if Nurk comes back, the calf comes back. Even if Winslow comes back, the ankle comes back. You start a lineup of Ryan, uh, what's the dude's name from the Knicks? Matisse, Cam, Eubanks. Ryan Arch- Archie Diakno. Yeah, and, and Nasir Little the rest of the season. You go 2-14 and 14 the rest of the season. If that, and you, you get yourself deep into the lottery. Because even if, it's not even about the top three, really, because this is a two-draft draft. Because you got all the kids mm-hmm. who don't have to go to college next year who would have been lottery picks in 2024 are all in this draft along with the kids who were one and done and are going to be available in this draft. So it's a deep draft. So if you're in the top 10, you're coming away. I I would imagine you're coming away with a prospect at least on Shaden's level. Or you have that pick, which is going to have great value, that you're going to use in a bigger deal Mm -hmm. to go get someone. Now, the fantasy out there, I don't know if you've talked to people about this, is the Joel Embiid Oh, I think I know where we're going right now. Oh, you know where I'm going. Do you know where I'm going? Okay, you you want to lead it? I do. You want to go ahead? Go ahead. You want to talk about it? Does it have to do something with one James Harden? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, wow. You want to tell it or should I tell it? Uh, no, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you go for it. You go for it. Okay, so I think it's kind of pie in the sky. But, hey, you know, that's what the NBA is about. The NBA is a crazy world. We all know this. But James Harden may opt out of Houston, his final year at Houston, and go back – excuse me, in Philadelphia. Sorry. Yes. Philadelphia and go back to Houston, which puzzles me because it's like, well, why would he want to go back to Houston? Well, he has family there. Why would Houston want him? Well, you take him. He's a star. He'll sell tickets. You throw him with a bunch of young players. The team will be better as the young players grow. Okay, fine. Um, if that happens, what do the Sixers do? If they can't pull off a sign and trade and get something back, the Sixers could be in big trouble because now you lost Ben Simmons. You lost Harden. You still got Maxi Tobias, though. I don't think you give it up personally, but do they put Joel Embiid on the market? If they do, could the Blazers jump in with Ant, Sharp, a bunch of picks, Matt and Sally with Nurk? Boom, you bring Embiid to Portland. You got Dame, Grant, Embiid. You re-sign Thibel and Reddish. You still got Nasir. You still got Eubanks and whatever else you're training Watford. And then whatever else you're able to sign through trade exceptions or um, the mid-level exceptions, et cetera. So a trio of Dame, Embiid, and Grant is absolutely a contender. What say you about this fantasy? Um, <laughs> it's a nice fantasy in theory, but I, you know, I guess, I guess I'm just a hardened um, Blazers <laughs> fan that's now in the media. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> totally intended. Okay. Um, where I'm just like, okay, great. I, I mean, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like I've heard this song and dance before, right. and uh, haven't seen it work out yet. Hope I'm wrong. It'd be great. It'd be great for all of us if if we were wrong. Um, or you know. I don't know. I'm sure there's some people who think maybe it could happen, and maybe it could. Hey. You know, but, if it, um, if, it, if if they're willing to move off Embiid, and Embiid says he's cool with going to Portland and cooking up with Dame and, and setting up a shop here, then it it absolutely could happen. But it, like yeah. you said, we haven't seen those things play out before. So I'm with you. Call me when the press conference happens. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll be I'll be gleefully showing up, questions in hand, ready to rumble, man. Let's do it. Now, the other fantasy is Siakam. Does Siakam become available? Could you get Siakam for cheaper? Maybe it just takes Ants Ant and Picks. Um, and then whatever salary matching, that's out there as well as a fantasy. Um, you know, hey, great. If these things happen, awesome. But I will say this. For all the griping about them not making a quote-unquote bigger move at the trade deadline, part of the strategy there was not throwing out too many assets to get just a good player and to try and hold on yeah. to assets to get the bigger fish. Like for example, could they have had OG on Anobi for Ant and a couple first? Maybe, but once you do that, you're not gonna have enough to go get and be because you burnt your picks. Right? So does Ananobi put you over the top? No. no. He's not even they're not even a five hundred team. He's playing with Siakam and Van Vliet and Gary Trent right there uh in in toronto so that's one of the reasons why they didn't pull off some other type of deal because they're trying to wait to be able to go all in which is what Cronin basically said so we shall see <laughs> is it time to move off the blazers is it, it is let's let's still- move off the blazers and let's talk about one of our mutual favorites i mean one of everyone's mutual favorites who does yeah. not love them some marcus mariota he has been released by the Atlanta Falcons, which was expected, especially given the fact that he bailed on the team after mm-hmm. being benched late in the year, which I thought was unfair. But anyway, they saved, I think, like $12 million in cap space by moving him. They're going to go with uh, Ritter. Is it Ritter? I always want to call him Riddler. It's Ritter, though, right? It's Ritter, yeah. <laughs> it's Ritter, okay. I always want to say Riddler, sorry. Anyway, they're going to go with him moving forward. That makes Marcus a free agent. So question one, was that Marcus's last opportunity to be a starter in the NFL? I think so. I think so. It's it's just he just hasn't had the success that you want to see. He got and I and I'm not saying it's not it's absolutely not all of his fault especially with Atlanta which was a team that nobody thought was going to be good last year anyway so like why are we you know like we probably sh- we shouldn't be putting all of the blame on him for that by any means but it is hard to get starting quarterback jobs in the NFL and i just i would be really stunned if another team brought him in to be their starter I just, I think there could be a situation where maybe somebody gets injured and then he's able to start and we'll see what happens. But I don't see him being brought in as a day one starter around the league right now. Yeah, I 100%. I 100%. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to sign him and say, this is our guy. I think it's potentially possible he could be signed 
and allowed to compete in certain situations where a team doesn't have a, a true starter. But I don't believe, believe he's going to be playing 1A for anybody. I think more than likely he ends up being signed by a team that has an established starter but wants a veteran backup who can play reasonably well should the starter miss time. And then you hate to say it, he kind of has to hope <laughs> that that person gets injured and he gets a shot and blows up. I mean, that can happen. I just don't like how Atlanta used him. I I, I watched a lot of those games, and and they 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 just they played it like they just didn't want to throw it, and then would ask him to throw it, but not give him high volume to throw the ball and, and just sort of be him. He had some he had some really good moments, um, mm-hmm. and then he had some not so good moments, but they weren't hideous enough to where I thought it was necessarily his fault. Um, Ritter played the last four games and threw for only 700 yards. And that was with a, a big game. The other three, he had, you know, little mediocre stats as well. So I don't know. You know, I I was waiting this entire time for a team to spread things out and let Marcus operate out of the shotgun, do, do some zone read, run a lot from that, and then throw, move him out of the pocket a lot and let him just do what he does. No team has given him that opportunity, uh, maybe for good reason. Maybe I'm crazy in thinking that that would work. But I don't believe anyone really took advantage of his overall skill set. You look at, you know, Kyler Murray in Arizona. They put him in that type of offense. And I just was always like, oh, how come Marcus hasn't been put in that type of offense? But uh, I do think he'll remain in the NFL, but he's just got to go somewhere and, and hope, you know, for a situation to pop again where he gets an opportunity by default and then delivers. It, it happens a lot in the NFL. We see it often. You know, it just, it just, things just happen. It's crazy. So I do think he'll he'll start an NFL game again. Uh, I just don't know what the circumstances are going to be. So, I mean, you still make a lot of money in the NFL as a backup quarterback. Just saying. Oh yeah. And don't take the same amount of hits. It's not so, a bad job. It's not a bad. It's job. not a bad job. You want to know who 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 made a great <laughs> living out of that? A former Oregon quarterback named Kellen. Kellen Clemens. Clemens. Oh yeah. Great job. And man. Feely. And Feely. Yeah, true. Yep. True. I mean, made a nice amount of money, didn't get hit. Take that. Take that. So, there you go. <laughs> um, speaking of Oregon Ducks, Treshawn Holden, uh, back with the team after getting dismissed from the team. Due to a run-in with the law that wasn't, uh, it, it's a really weird situation down there. Just, just what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Well, I've always said, and I always say, gotta have more information. Gotta seek more information. Don't jump to conclusions too early on anything. Just because it's in the police report doesn't make it fact. Uh, you know, long story short, he was accused of brandishing a weapon and maybe threatening with it. And there were witnesses claiming he did X, Y, Z. He said he didn't do X, Y, Z, but it was in the police report. Lanny immediately kicked him off the team, which I thought was interesting because I, you know, to me that, that means that maybe Lanny verified some things first and said, no, this guy's got to go. But then uh, some film is found and it's shown that actually Treshawn acted very maturely and actually tried to deescalate the entire situation and didn't do the things people accused him of doing. Charges were dropped. And so the next question became, okay, what's Lanning going to do about it? Is he going to, you know, claim a mea culpa and say, hey, maybe we rushed 
the judgment here and jump the gun and bring him back or just, you know, hold firm and say, well, whatever, he still did X, Y, Z, he's got to go. And Lanning, as far as I'm concerned, did the right thing. He realized that he jumped the gun. He realized that the reasons why he, he had kicked them off the team did not exist. And this was according to the same authorities whom he, whom he re, relied upon to provide the initial information, which led him to kick Treshawn off the team. So he did the right thing. He, he let the kid come back and he, he learned a lesson from it. And I hope people in general learned a lesson from it because I remember when the, when the report, reports first came out, people were just bashing the kid. And it's why I always say you got to sort of wait and see how things play out. And this is a great example of that. Always glad when something like that uh, turns out to be wrong. It's unfortunate that the kid had to go through it, though. That Absolutely. stinks for him. So that's that's not cool. But I'm glad that um, I'm glad that he's able to be back on the team and uh, going to be a very interesting wide receiver room. Absolutely, this he, year he he's going to be important. Having having a veteran place uh, veteran presence like that to replace Coda, I think is going to be huge for this team. And he's got some playmaking ability. Now, Bama fans were kind of cracking on him, saying he drops too many passes or he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Fine, whatever. Bama has the luxury to criticize kids for not being perfect. <laughs> Oregon doesn't does not. So I think they will benefit from this guy's talent, no doubt about it. All right, moving on to some other talented ducks and beavers. The NFL Combine is underway. Six ducks, three beavers. Let's start with the beavers. You got two defensive backs going, uh, Alex Austin and Rajon Wright, who are projected to be late-round picks. But let's focus on the story of Mr. Luke Musgrave, tight end, who was injured early in the season, never returned. But here he is, projected to be a second-round pick. Now, he looked really good the previous year. I actually did a film breakdown of their win at, at USC where he lit up the Trojans. Definitely has some size and skills for the NFL level. What do you think about the idea that having missed most of the season, he still could be a high-end pick? I mean, I believe it. I feel bad <laughs> for Beavers fans, man. Like, they they didn't basically didn't get to watch a guy play this entire year who – you know, could have been a second round pick and, and, and he was, he was doing really well. I mean, he, when he got injured, it was against Fresno state and it was right after he caught a huge pass that enabled them to go down the field to win that game. It was on right. the final drive. He never came back in and he never played again. So I, I guess at least, at least he got injured on a or around. I don't know if it was that play exactly, but at least he got injured on a play that ended up, helping them win the game but um yeah it's uh, you know my my immediate thought just goes to beavers fans and i mean you know obviously the quarterback situation this year was a little dicey at times would have been a real help to have a uh, second round pick uh out there to cap- help catch balls so he had so, 20, he had 22 catches for 304 yards the year before and then through two games this past season had 11 for 169 not that he would have maintained that but he was on pace through 13 games to get close to a thousand yards, you know, and you know, 60, 70 receptions. So yeah, that, that, that would have been nice to have. I think they still had a great season. Stinks. Yeah. But anyway, Stinks. yes, they had a great him. season. Good for him that he looks like he's going to overcome that and, and, you know, land himself a, a nice fat little contract in NFL and get a chance to carry on his career, hopefully with a good team, with a good quarterback situation. Now the ducks. All right. Christian, Trish, uh, Christian Gonzalez, projected to be a first-round pick, maybe top 10. Then you got Noah Sewell, mm-hmm. DJ Johnson, Alex Forsythe, 
TJ Bass, both of those guys are offensive linemen. And then Big Sala, I'm not going to try to say his name, also offensive <laughs> linemen. That's six. That's a good number, no doubt. But here's my question. How come they mm-hmm. only have two former high school recruits at the combine? And this coming after last year, only having one guy drafted in Kayvon, who's a high school recruit. What happened to all this talent that they recruited out of high school under Mario? Where are all these kids? How come they're not all flocking to the NFL? What's going on? Well, some of them didn't just stay me when being, they left. Just That's me being negative again? <laughs> Sorry. A part of it. And no, 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 it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not all. It's not all you being negative. But yeah, some of them obviously left when he left. Uh, some of it is this is just the way college football works now, unfortunately. But yeah, some of it is um, concerning. The classes concerning. were inflated, overhyped. The talent level wasn't there. Just saying. I just saying. I think too that um, I don't feel I don't feel bad saying this right now. I think Mario's a good recruiter. I'm not so sure he's a good coach, or at least at the head coach level. I think he's obviously a good coach. Come on. Okay. Well, he went twelve okay. and two. Did he go twelve and two and win the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Okay. He coached the I team, didn't he? He coached the Miami team. Miami this year has just been a hot disaster. I know, oh, but, my, but they fired. The previous coach for a reason. They have talent issues there. Give them a chance to rebuild it. Give them a chance to rebuild it. I'm just saying. I just can't can't crack on the guy. If you want a Rose Bowl in the Pac-12 title, it's a top eight season in the history of the program. I'm not going to say he's a bad coach. Okay. All right. Is Dan Lanning a good coach? Is Dan Lanning a good coach? Yeah, jury's still out. Exactly. So, but fans think he's the greatest coach ever. He hasn't won a Rose Bowl. Or a conference title. Do fans think that? So, eh, fans were pretty much jocking Dan Lanning all season. He was, I, I just saw a lot of people saying Lanning is way better than Mario. He's going to develop talent better. He's going to be this better and better and better and better and better. And better. Then he lost to Washington and Oregon State. And people backed off a little bit. My only point is yeah. both things can be true. Dan Lanning can be a good coach and Mario Cristobal can be a coach. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But Mario has his, has his faults, but he's at least a good coach. Now, if he never turns – Miami around, then you can make the argument, I guess. But as of right now, I think he's a good coach. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right. <sighs> yeah, anyway. I think, I think, and as most things in this world, there it's a multifaceted question. Exactly. And uh, I mean, we'll see what happens with where those guys get drafted, who doesn't get drafted. I mean, I think. Noah is probably the only one that's like for sure, for sure of the two high school recruits. It's, I don't, I don't think. I think Forsyth definitely could get drafted, but I also mm-hmm. could see a world where he doesn't. So, yeah. yeah. But Noah, Noah will go. So at least one of those two guys will definitely go. Yeah, I'll be two in two years. Pretty good. All right. Oh. <laughs> I'm so mad. Okay, let's end with our pop culture. Topic. Do you really think that's good? Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Uh, I know you wanted me to cry more about uh, Larsa Pippen and um, Marcus Jordan, but I'm going to let that go. Although I text you randomly about it here and there. So, yes, so you know yes. I still feel I'm I, still in my, in my morning. See, um, I, I get a lot of updates on it now because of E! News <laughs> on Instagram. It's a big topic on E! News. I think they right. get a lot of hits on it. So let me tell you, that comes up every, That comes up like once. I'm going to go like 
two to three times a week on my feed something about Larsa Pippen and Michael, or not Michael Jordan, but the son of Marcus. Michael Jordan. Apparently, Michael has uh, given his blessing. What, what, yes, really? it's Marcus, right? Michael has given the blessing. Marcus from is Marcus. his name. Marcus is the son, but Michael has given the blessing. Allegedly. Yes. Yeah. I just had to remember. I haven't heard from Pippen yet. I haven't I heard from like, Scotty. I haven't heard from Scotty on it. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Wow. Well, we're, right, we're done. <sighs> Serenity for today. Serenity. Okay. <laughs> what we are going to talk about is a different type of slap in the face. We're going to talk about Chris Rock, famously smacked by Will Smith because he didn't keep his wife out of his mother effing mouth, is going to finally address the slap heard around the world last year at the Oscars during a live Netflix special this Saturday night. He's going to actually address it after letting it go for about a year. Now, he's he's mentioned it here and there during stand-up performances, just like little digs and stuff. He's never really gone into it. He hasn't talked about it. He didn't sit down with Oprah. I was calling for the Oprah special, like, within a week of the Oscars. That would have been just mega. You have Chris Rock come on. Then you have Will Smith come on by himself. Then you have him together with Oprah. It would have done 1.8 billion views. Anyway, didn't happen. But are you even... <laughs> Are you at all even interested in this or has it just been too long now? Uh, I'm not going to watch it live. Hmm. I'll watch it when somebody tweets a clip out onto my Twitter. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Gotcha. With a lot of things in life. Let me, <laughs> let's just be frank here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit down Saturday and be like, oh, I got to open up my laptop to watch Netflix to see what Chris Rock has to say. Now, when it pops up on my Twitter feed, will I hit full sound? Oh, you bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not devoting anything more to it than that. Okay. What about you? Um, I don't think I have any plans Saturday night. So I could definitely see myself watching. I like Chris Rock anyway. If you told me Chris Rock was doing a stand-up, I'd probably watch it anyway. Uh, mm. But yeah, I'm 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 kind of interested to see how he approaches it. I still would have liked to see him do more of a formal sit-down interview, and maybe that will come. But I, I, it seems like it's a little bit late for that. But you know, he didn't have to do that just because I wanted him to, obviously. Um, you no, know. he had to do it because you yeah, wanted no, him to. I mean, I, you Aaron Ventress. He needed you know, to serve Aaron I, I, I kind of gave him permission to not do it, even though that's what I wanted. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it live. Okay. Well, next week we'll need to hear your thoughts on it then. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. But okay. since we're here, what were your thoughts the night it happened? The night it happened, gosh, where was I? I feel like I was getting onto a plane. Ooh. I think this might have been during around the time of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? No. I don't remember. I forget the actual date. I got I to gotta look up the actual date here real quick and see uh, what, because, man, I think I was. March 27th. March 27th, I would have been right around the time that I would have been in. Were you following uh, Gonzaga around? 
Yes, I was following Gonzaga around. <laughs> so now, now, now I'm like, all right, am I remembering this all correctly? What? Yeah, well, some days it feels, I felt like that. Um, yeah, I'm like, okay, um, did I, am I crazy that like I, like, I'm like, what? Okay, so now I'm looking up what March 27th was because now I just need to know. March 27th. <laughs> that was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Uh, I, yeah, so I think I was somewhere around an airport or a plane, and it was wild. It was, was wild. About it? Was I don't, I don't, about it? I don't know. Maybe I had just landed. Maybe, maybe I had, maybe I had just gotten home, and somebody else was coming home at a different time, and so I'm remembering the plane thing. But yeah, um, yeah, I do. You know, honestly, okay, that's the other thing. Everything at the end of an NCAA tournament run, I know that most people listening to this have never covered an NCAA tournament run. Everything at the end of an NCAA tournament run just becomes one, and I don't really remember one thing from the other. So um, so that's why I probably don't have like a super distinct memory, but I do remember it obviously happening. But I, I think maybe somebody else was on a plane that was coming back and it, they were talking about how crazy it was. Cause everybody on the plane found out at once. Yeah. I was baffled. I was like, wait, what just happened? Wait, is this real? Wait, what? Wait, what? what, what Nobody what, can what, figure what? it out. But, uh, yeah. I mean, crazy. I, Will Smith was a hundred percent out of line. No doubt about that. That said, you know, come on, Chris, don't, don't make fun of something that someone's sensitive about like you did with, uh, with Jada. But the whole, you know, with her laughing at first and then Will laughing at first and then all of a sudden Will gets pissed and then it's just, it was all bizarre. And then, and then Will Smith's crazy acceptance speech and trying to justify it because he's a protector and all this kind of nonsense was just surreal. Uh, well, he's, now he's been suspended or, or banned from the Oscars for 10 years, right? It's a weird situation where it's not like a full ban. Like I think he can, he can still receive, be nominated yeah, for things. Yeah. You just, we can't attend it. We can't yeah. attend it. Yeah, events for ten years. Yeah, yeah ten years. You can't attend uh, events for ten years. Wow. Anyway, all right. I wild, I wild, forward, wild, wild. I look and... forward to uh, addressing that and the Blazers' continued collapse on our next show. <laughs> What a what a lovely tease for a next show, Aaron. You just I mean, everyone is just waiting now for us to talk about depressing stuff. I love it. Oh my bad. Okay. You good? Anything else you wanna drop? Any nuggets you wanna drop before I close this out? I, I think I, I think we're I think we're great on that final we're note. Great. I, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think we're good. All right, happy, happy, joy, joy, everyone. Have a great weekend. <laughs> I'm Aaron Fenton. She's Brenna Green. Thanks for joining us for the Sports by Northwest podcast. Be sure to click that subscribe button and leave us a positive rating. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in.